professional bookwriting expert and author, and I help women to overcome the fear of writing and publishing their books. And I'm so excited to have Faye Lavon from New Zealand with me. Faye is an internal conflict resolution expert and coach for burnout professionals and brings back life's ease and excitement for harnessing the magic of the subconscious mind and nervous system. Faye was born into chaos and strife in the Middle East, burned out three times in a row and battled with chronic conditions most of her life. But when the traditional solutions failed, she sought out her own. Faye founded the Tiredness Solution, a nine-step formula that helps clients to quiet their minds and feel like themselves again. Faye firmly believes that when we are all living the life we want, we can build a kinder and happier world. Welcome to the show, dear Faye. Well, thank you, Esther. It's lovely to be with you. <laughs> Good to connect. Yeah, wonderful. So let's listen to your turning moment in life. Yes, my turning moment uh, in life. Well, there were there were many, as you can imagine. You know, I don't I don't think we come to do this type of work on a whim, and we don't come to do this work out of you know a life plan when we were 12, 13, or fourteen. You know, like when I was contemplating my future as a teenager, and my teacher uh, asked, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I never raised my hand and said, "I want to be an internal conflict." resolution expert or coach for the burnt out professional. I mean, I never like, like, like that never even came into my realm of consciousness, right? However, however, this probably will resonate with you. We end up getting drawn to these types of experience, uh, uh, careers and paths from our own life experiences, where we're looking for support for ourselves, and we can't find the solutions in the traditional marketplace. So we need to branch out for ourselves and find what works for us. And eventually, you know, with the passion that you have and the conviction of how much it worked for you on your own journey, you then want to package it and share it with other people. So my turning point, my defining moment was in 2006 when I was sitting in the um, in the clinic uh, at the doctor's office after I had consulted, gosh, I, I don't know, at least eight doctors, um, Esther, because at the time in 2006, I was suffering from symptoms that had no explanation. You know, my, uh, I had unexplained dizziness. I would faint. Um, I had horrible headaches, chronic pain all over the body. Uh, I had bloating, digestive issues constantly short of breath, constantly short of breath, really, really unhappy, horrible adult acne. I mean, really like every chronic condition out there, I had also, you know, trouble sleeping, you name it. But eventually, eventually things came to a head when one morning I was on my way to work and uh, I lost control of the car and the car went spinning and then it just kind of landed in the distance. Luckily, I was fine. Actually, I was totally oh, unscathed. Physically, I was unscathed, like nothing happened to me, right? Nothing mm. happened to me physically. However, I was petrified when I came to, like, how do you explain a loss of control like that, right? And so 
although there was a lot of fear um, trying to get to the root cause of what drove this episode, I knew that I had to do it. And so I went to so many doctors and time after time after time after time, uh, the doctors couldn't find anything medically to explain what was going on. Now, what I didn't know back then is that, and now I know that 90%, Esther, 90%, 90% of all doctors' visits come from unexplained causes. And I was one of those statistics, you know, for eight doctors' visits, there was no cause for my symptoms, but yet I knew on the inside something was not right. And my body was confirming it with all of these mm. symptoms that eventually culminated in a total blackout, like total blackout. And so when the doctor came in, the eighth doctor came in and he said, oh, I have great news for you. There's nothing wrong with you. I, I actually I actually burst into tears yeah. and it was a type of tears, you know, like when you're slubbering, you know, like there's not all over you. I was a mess. And and that those were the words that were the defining moment. Doctor, if there's nothing, if you say there's nothing wrong with me, then why am I not feeling well? Why am I not healthy if you're telling me nothing is wrong? And that's what started a journey for me, uh, Esther, you know, a journey to understand what it takes to be healthy, what it takes to be happy, and what it takes to be well in a way that does not involve medication to numb the symptoms and talk therapy to just kind of revisit how lousy you feel inside yourself and inside your life. So that was really one of my defining moments, you know, in my first burnout. I've had several, I've had three burnouts since, well, uh, three in total. And of course, at every burnout, there is a defining moment where you turn things around and uh, you're able to break through. Uh, so I hope that's answered your question. Oh, yes. I'm sorry to hear all the things you went through, but I'm so happy that you found the, yes. the key to your yes. happiness. So, yes, Esther, you, yes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So, uh, you know, when you're, I don't know about you or your listeners or anyone that you know, but you know, like when you're, um, when you're at the depth of your despair and you're in a dark place, you just want someone to tell you what to do, right? Like how to make it better. And you don't have the mental energy, you don't have the mental resources to uh, uh, piece it together. However, when there is no one telling you what to do, right? And they're just telling you, they're giving you a solution that you don't want. Then you're left with a choice. You're either left with the choice of taking what's in front of you although your body and everything inside of you is screaming, no, don't do that. Or the other choice is the road not taken and the road unknown, which is figuring it out for yourself, right? And I think part of, part of, um, uh, part of the successful outcome, I think came from taking the path that felt right for me, but also uh, doing things my way in a way that didn't involve talk therapy and medication and things that didn't really work. 
and what did work for you really holistically that's it like coming to understanding you see the thing is the thing is esther when we when we're dealing with chronic conditions or when we're dealing with mental health or even when we're dealing with imposter syndrome because actually imposter syndrome for me i consider that as a symptom of trauma really really because ultimately ultimately if we're uh, 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 the only reason that we aren't shining into the world and really being who we are in the world is because there's an internal story there's some internal story about you know some kind of voice or some kind of belief system about what's possible or not possible and that usually comes from trauma right and so anytime anytime that there is trauma or mental health conditions or chronic conditions we know that it isn't unidimensional right so your imposter syndrome isn't just a belief it also has emotions attached to it right and those those emotions drive our behavior or our non-behavior that also impacts how we feel inside ourselves that has an imprint on our nervous system and it was the same case the same thing for me right so with all of the traumas that eventually uh, that eventually we diagnose as post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, it wasn't just the burnout, right? It, was, it wasn't just the feelings of tiredness. It was, you know, the thoughts, it was the emotions, it was the choices, it was your lifestyle, it was, the, um, uh, it was your values, it's the feeling in the body. And so for anyone looking for a, whole, for a, a long-lasting solution to a limitation, to you, I say, look for an integrative holistic solution, one that will address the limitations on a physical level, nervous system level, mental level, subconscious level, emotional level, lifestyle level, and behavioral level. That's what worked for me. But I needed to figure this out for myself, Esther, because it was very much piecing the, piecing the bits together. Because in the early days, I, I would hear about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I thought, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. You know, like when you change your thoughts, you're going to change your experience. Great. I went and I not only did it, I studied it and I got certified in it. Okay. And I realized that's why I have all of these certificates. I actually have twice the amount of certificates stashed in my, in my wardrobe because there isn't space on the wall. I mean, I spent 16 years studying, getting certified and trained. And what does it really take to be happy, healthy, and well, I've spent in excess of $200,000 on this inquiry, because I'm dead serious about it, right? So I would study something, and I would see its merits, and I would apply it into my own recovery, and it would work, it would work, but, but it, it wouldn't, it wasn't complete. Mm. Then, then other cracks would show, of course, Mm. because it's not your thoughts alone. It's not just addressing your thoughts alone, that's going to remedy you from the imposter syndrome or from the trauma you've got to take care of all of those other things that we talked about and this is why after 16 years of this journey I realized that it has to be holistic and so now the proprietary system that I use with my clients is holistic and it is integrative it's looking at all of those pieces and applying solutions to all those pieces so that you get the long-lasting freedom from the trauma, the depression, the imposter syndrome, and the burnout. Mm. And Faye, where do you start in this journey? 
Well, look, the, the, the way to start is probably one of the least, um, <laughs> one of the most overlooked uh, and uh, least valued places. And that is actually starting with assuming responsibility for change. Now, I know this may seem trite, but, but I can't tell you how important it is. Oh, yes. And every single client that I've ever worked with, they think that they're taking charge, but not really, mm. not really. Because really, what does it mean to assume responsibility for mm. change? It means to get really serious that, hey, yes. I recognize and I own the problem. I also am going to own the solution mm. and I'm going to own the outcome. Because when you own the problem and you get a solution, then the, the outcome is yours and no one can take it away from you. But as long as you're finger pointing and you're blaming, not yes. only are you, are you denying yourself the opportunity for recovery, but you're also, also you're denying yourself the ownership of the solution. Hmm. You know, when my clients at the end of programs or courses, they, they thank me profusely, oh, Faye, blah, blah. And I say, look, please don't thank me. Like, it's wonderful that you appreciate the efforts that I made to match your intentions, but ultimately it's you. And until you recognize that it is your efforts, yeah. it is your actions, it is your decisions, you know, because then no one can take it away from you. Then it's no longer about me. Now it's yours. The change is yours and you've embodied it. That's the starting point. And I know it sounds trite, and we actually spend a lot of time initially with clients, but part of assuming responsibility for change is, and this is whether you decide to work with a coach or not, I hope this is helpful to your listeners, is declaring what you want instead. Because, you know, when we're caught up in the imposter syndrome, the trauma, the depression, or the burnout, we become so, um, we're, we're just so attached and we're so conditioned to, to the old problem that we can't even see what else is out there. And we, we, we're not declaring what we want. We're just repeating what we don't want. We're in the old story. So part of assuming responsibility for change is getting crystal clear on what you want instead and declaring it in a way and using language patterns and structures that your subconscious mind can understand and act on right away on your behalf. Loved what you're saying, Faye. This is amazing. It's the most important step to change. So I'm just curious, what's the first question you or a client should ask herself or himself? Who is responsible for the change in your life? <laughs> no, but Esther, you know, yeah. like so so when 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 clients put up their hands to work with me, I don't, I don't, it's by application only. And I don't work with I don't work with every with just anyone. And I don't mean that in like in, an, in being an exclusive, like that's not what I mean, right? It's not in a discriminatory way. I need to make sure that you're ready for the for the for the process and you're ready for the change. And so I've got an intake form, right? which has your, you know, your obvious questions, but also there are some screening questions. And the first question there is, who is responsible for the change in your life? And if I get a question and answer other than me, I won't even bother having a discussion or a consultation call with you because that tells me you're still in the finger pointing and in the, in, in outsourcing the solution to someone else. 
And there is nothing that I can do to help you as long as you're in the mentality that the problem isn't mine or it's for my boss or my teacher or my partner or my children or the global situation. I can't help you. I can't help you. You need really, you need to help yourself. So the first question to ask yourself is, who's responsible for the change in my life? Okay, so you want to write your book, right? Who's responsible for writing this book? You want to overcome imposter syndrome. Who's responsible for that? And the follow-up question to that is, to what extent? And again, anything under 100%, I don't even consider working with you if it's anything under than 100%. Because if it's anything under than 100%, you're still in that, um, uh, that mindset of uh, finger-pointing. Uh, you're still at effect. You're not at cause. Life is happening to me instead of I am in charge of my life and in charge of the direction of my life. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love it, Faye. <laughs> <laughs> and you have done so much work. What, what is your fear which sneaks in from time to time? Because I'm... I'm dealing with fear all the time, but now mm -hmm. I have means to, to deal with it and to get, get over it. Yeah. Uh, look, fear is a very, 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 very human emotion, right? And as long as we have a body, we're going to have fear. And the problem isn't fear. The problem is irrational fear, right? You know, like, so like during, I'll just give you an example during the pandemic. Oh my God, I experienced a lot of fear. Now, looking back, looking back, I don't know to what extent all of it was rational or to what extent a lot of it was irrational, but I know that with all the tools that I had, all of the tools that I teach, I still experienced the fear and felt it in my body as a somatic I really really felt the fear so what I'm trying to get at is uh, is uh, fear isn't the problem it's the irrational fear that's problematic and just like the rest the rest of us I have a lot of crazy irrational fears but I know I know but here's the thing though when the irrational fears become consistent frequent and uh, hang around for a long time, that's a signal to me that there's something else going on behind the irrational fear. And that's why I'm not able to just catch it and release it on my own. Like when I have, for example, an irrational fear, like an irrational, I mean, my husband and I are in a wonderful marriage, right? But, you know, let's say I have the irrational fear, like many wives, you know, that my husband is going to go out and, you know, find another woman, right? That's an irrational fear because it isn't based on reality at all. There's no basis of real on, for reality on it. So, you know, when it, if it props up from time to time, you know, I'm able to catch it and I'm able to release it right away. However, however, when it lingers longer than, uh, than the rational window, that's when I know there's something else going on that I need to look into. And usually that's something else going on. Esther has nothing to do with my husband. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with me, some kind of internal insecurity, some unresolved internal conflict, something on the inside that needs to be looked at and that needs to be integrated. 
And um, yeah, and so uh, I would say for anyone dealing with fear is please understand that fear is okay and you need fear. But where you might want to be uh, reframing your experience of fear is to be questioning to what extent is this fear rational or, or irrational, because rational fears are needed and necessary. And if it's irrational, if it lasts for a long time, if it's recurring, if it's uh, high in intensity, that's probably when you need to do some more inner work in order to find out what's really driving it and how to release it. Mm. Great. What, what's the question you would suggest to ask in this case? Sorry, for, for what, Esther, about fear? Yes. So very simply, is it a rational fear or an irrational fear? So what I mean by a rational fear is, it, is, it, is it like, um, uh, is it a survival-based fear? You know, like having fear of, yes. uh, uh, you know, um, for example, a burglar alarm or having a fear of, you know, when you hear a honk, if you're in, in, sure. in, a, in a car and you hear a honk or having a fear of, you know, hearing, hearing someone coming towards you. I mean, you need to have a fear response in order to signal danger so that you can yes. mobilize to get away from danger, right? So those types of fears, I don't want you to, I don't want you to get rid of them. Like when I work with clients one-on-one -on -one and we work on the emotion of fear, I never, ever, ever eliminate fear Yes. those fears sure. we eliminate irrational fears so, so ask yourself the question fear. is the fear rational or is it irrational is the fear like a survival based fear like a danger fueled yes. fear or not if it's now, irrational what's the question if it's irrational if it's irrational that's where you need to go deeper you need you need to go and do the inner work to unpack what's behind it What's you a know, good question you, to ask? Well, you know, what, what's, uh, what's behind this fear? Uh, how long has this fear been there? Whose fear is it? Whose fear is it? Is it yours or is it someone else's? Whose fear is it? Uh, what needs to happen for, for the fear to go, for the fear to be released? Yeah, love it. Because yeah. I, I experienced when I'm asking myself questions, in these moments it helps a lot just asking yes. myself questions so yes okay. however i'm here to tell you again because uh having three burnouts having all these chronic conditions like behind all burnout behind all chronic conditions behind the imposter syndrome is fear and i'm here to tell you that behind the imposter syndrome is irrational fear and the irrational fear that now has been practiced so much that it's stuck in the nervous system that it's a feeling in the body and that's why literally you freeze and you can't perform even though you want to even though you know it all right and so that's the type of irrational fear that's stuck in your nervous system that's literally causing a freeze response you need to look at uh, unlocking that from your nervous system so just asking the inquiry is a good place to start but I would suggest going deeper into the nervous system to, to examine the cause behind uh, the freeze response that is creating the imposter syndrome. Because the imposter syndrome is simply a symptom of a cause. Wonderful. I love it. <laughs> so if you 
have to give three important messages to our audience, what would it be for helping with whatever life conditions, difficulties, struggles? What would it be? Number one, take care of your nervous system. Get to know your nervous system, understand your nervous system, learn about the nervous system. If you want help with that, I have a free calendar called 30. It's a 30 day nervous system well-being calendar. It gives you 30 micro practices to apply to help you regulate your nervous system, to bring those fear responses to a manageable uh, level, to a level that is regulated and balanced. Get to know your nervous system. That's number one. Number two, don't deny your emotions. Don't deny your experiences. Don't deny your thoughts. Don't deny yourself. Don't hide from yourself. You see, we were talking about fear earlier, you know, an irrational fear. When we hide from ourselves or we hide from our emotions or we suppress our emotions or we deny our emotions or we pretend something is not there or we pretend we're not feeling something, that immediately signals danger to our nervous system because really from a nervous system level we only hide from what is dangerous we only hide from what is threatening so therefore if you're hiding from yourself the nervous system is going to go into like defensive mode right and defensive mode for your nervous system is the same whether it is like you know a lion chasing you or whether it's you scaring yourself by having a crazy thought or you pretending that your feelings don't exist. So get in, find a way to check in with yourself regularly and daily and consistently so that you'll know what's going on on the inside so that you're not suppressing what's there. That's number two. And number three, I would say, invest in yourself. Invest in your health invest in your mental health, invest in your projects, in your dreams, in your aspirations. The best thing I ever did for myself and for my recovery was to invest in my training, to invest in my development, to hire coaches, to hire therapists. I don't have all the solutions and all the answers. Like actually right now, right now, I don't know that you're a book coach. Right now, I actually hired a book coach. I don't know how to write. I don't thing about writing a book sure I can figure it out like these days Esther just like I figured out how to free myself of trauma it took me 16 years so I figured it out like it's not rocket science everything is available to you out there in this knowledge economy that we're part of but you know I, I can't know everything it's so much easier to have someone hold your hand and connect the dots from where you want to go to where you want to be in a way that is short saves you time effort frustration and so on so invest in yourself, invest in your future, invest in your recovery, invest in your health, invest in your aspirations. So my three tips would be get to know your nervous system, regulate your nervous system, understand your nervous system. Number two, get honest with yourself, check in with yourself daily and regularly. Don't deny how you feel. And number three, invest in yourself, your life, your mental health and your aspirations. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was wonderful, Faye. Thank I'm you. so Please. I'm so pleased that it was of value to you and to your to your listeners. Thank you. <laughs>